Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Genesis this evening once again. The book of Genesis, Genesis, and again we're going to go to chapter 2 to begin with. So Genesis chapter 2, the book of Genesis chapter 2, and beginning in verse number 16. So Genesis chapter 2, and beginning in verse number 16, where the Word of God says that the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Sounds simple enough. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you, Lord, that we can come back into your house tonight. Thank you for granting everyone safety as they drove here tonight. Lord, I pray that again you would bless in the preaching of your word And we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can go ahead and be seated. You know, one thing that we can be very thankful for is the fact that God makes his plan and his purpose abundantly clear. And when it's not clear, it's because men come and men men seem to muddy it up or to say things like, well, you know, that's fine for you, uh, but it's not necessarily fine for me. And, And God knows my heart. This morning we talked about the fact that there are a lot of religions out there under the guise of Christianity, and many believe that the reason for the multitude of various religions and churches is to give people more options and more ways in which to access God. As a matter of fact, some would go, some would go even further than that and say, you know, it doesn't even have to be within the guise of Christianity, <clears throat> just religion in and of itself, whether it be the Muslim religion or, or Buddhism or Taoism or whatever, they're all roads to God. God just has given us all these options and we can pick and choose whatever we want. But as they like to say, all roads lead to heaven. Well, in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 16, we see God establishing true religion, and true religion has to do with being obedient to the one true God, and it really is that simple. In John chapter 4, and remember the background behind John chapter 4, Jesus was at the well with the Samaritan, and the Samaritan asked the question of the the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she asked the question. She said, you know, our people worship on this mountain, your people worship on that mountain, or the Jews worship on that mountain. Does it really matter which mountain we worship on? And Jesus answered and said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it may very well be that worshiping on either mountain is wrong, or both mountains is wrong, but they can't both be right because truth is not something that uh, is determined by our opinion. Truth is truth and fallacy is fallacy. By the way, how many truths are there? There's one truth. And that was something that we learned when we were little kids. Sometimes we would muddy the truth up or we would uh, uh, avoid the truth or we wouldn't say the truth. And then we'd, we'd like to say, well, I didn't lie. Well, you didn't say the truth, so it is a lie. There's only one truth. 
God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This morning we talked about the characteristics of false religion. Because God established true religion in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 16. But in Genesis chapter 3, we see the origins of false religion. And you know, it doesn't matter what religion it is, under the guise of Christianity, they all seem to have the same characteristics. And so, we're looking at the characteristics of false religion. This morning, we covered the first two. And they were, number one, false religion encourages alternate interpretations of God's Word. Uh, False religion encourages alternate interpretations of God's Word. Let's move to Genesis chapter 3 now. Genesis chapter 3 Man has heard God's word, and God's word was very clear. You can eat of all the trees of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It was pretty plain. It was pretty clear. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says that a subtle teacher enters into the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3, 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree, of, the, of every tree of the garden? The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. In other words, that's, that, that's up for interpretation. That is a matter of interpretation. False religions often don't deny God. And of course, uh, Satan didn't come in and say, Do you really think there's a God? There's no God. He didn't say that. He said, Well, that's what God said, but let me tell you, what God actually meant. Uh, Many think that just because it's Christian that we need to listen to it. We ought not criticize it. When I say Christian, claims to be Christian, because obviously if it's not founded in the Word of God, it's not truly Christian. Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, verse number 2, concerning the religious individuals or the religion of his day, He said this, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That means contrary to God's word. Man, they were zealous. They were sincere. Paul knew how sincere they were. He was one of them at one time. But they were, as we said this morning, sincerely wrong. False religions don't necessarily deny God. They don't necessarily denounce God. And false religions do distort God and God's word. And, uh, of course, Satan still does this today through false teachers who portray God as, uh, as forgetful or as one who is not wrathful. And yet the Bible teaches us that God is a God of wrath. That God is a God of jealousy. That God is a God of justice. So false religion encourages alternate interpretations. Tell me, what does that mean to you? Well, it doesn't matter what it means to you. It doesn't matter what it means to me. The Bible says there is no private interpretation. 
God's interpretation is the only interpretation. And so every time we read God's word, we need to take the author, that is God, into account. Number two, false religion teaches unbiblical practices. False religion teaches unbiblical practices. We went to a funeral here several years ago, and the funeral was in a church that uh, performs a lot of unbiblical practices, even during the funeral. And I remember it was the first time that my, uh, that my daughter, probably the first time any of my kids had ever been in a church that was not a, uh, was not a Baptist church, a church that did not uh, preach the Word of God. It was a church that is full of images, a church that is filled with traditions. And I can remember as they got into some of their traditional practices and some of their traditional teachings, um, I happened to look over at my daughter, Dana. And we were sitting in the front row, and her eyes were the size of saucers. And she just looked at me. And not very quietly, mind you, we were about as far away from the, the, pre, the speaker <laughs> as, as my wife is right here. And she just looks at me and she goes, Dad, where do they get this stuff? None of it's in the Bible. <laughs> and to that, I had to say, you're absolutely right. It's all tradition. If it's not found in the Bible, it ought not be practiced. And there are so many things. False religion teaches unbiblical practices. But this morning we looked at this example in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and in verse number 4. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. Now she takes the first unbiblical step. She took of the fruit thereof. She did eat. She gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So these unbiblical practices. And then comes the religion. Verse number 7, the Bible says, The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So when you look at what Adam and Eve did after they have sinned, after they have committed this uh, uh, this this act of disobedience. Now they really, they kind of invent their own religion. Well, how are we going to take care of this matter in our lives? So the first thing they did was they tried to conceal the sin. And the Bible says that they made aprons. And this is a religious delusion that says if we can cover up our sins and make them look pretty, or if we can cover them up with good works or cover them up with works of righteousness, God will accept us. And this is the church that says if you want God to accept you, you better perform all these good works. You better perform all these sacraments. 
You need to become a member of the church. You probably ought to get baptized. You need to bring offerings to the church. You got to pay penance and you got to do all of these things. Yet Isaiah reminds us that we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf or we could say a fig leaf, I suppose. And, uh, and, our, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So those aprons did not change the fact that now Adam and Eve are sinners in need of salvation. So they covered up their sin, and then they, uh, then they, uh, they tried to conceal it. And then, of course, we looked at also at the fact that Uh, false religion teaches contempt it teaches contempt but this is what the bible says doesn't matter because these are traditions or this is what you're supposed to do look at verse number eight genesis chapter three verse number eight so they sewed fig leaves together they made themselves aprons but when the word of god came the bible says in verse number eight And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Can I say this? Man-made traditions cannot stand up to the word of God. They will try. But once they discover that these man-made traditions cannot stand up to the word of God, then they will tell you to shut the word of God, to turn the word of God off. We don't want to hear it. So the Bible says they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Why hide yourselves, Adam and Eve? You've got your aprons on. Because they knew that 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 apron, that that fig leaf was not going to stand up to the word of God. Boy, all those... uh, uh, who who think they're going to stand before God and say, but Lord, I, I was baptized. Lord, I prophesied in thy name. Matthew chapter 7 describes the scene. Many will say, Lord, have we not uh, baptized in, in thy name? Or, or have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And the word of God is going to say, depart from me that work iniquity. I never knew you. And Adam and Eve knew. Man, the, the, our only escape, or they thought, our only escape is to avoid the word of God altogether. Notice again, verse number seven, I'm sorry, verse number eight. And they heard the voice or the word of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where art thou? So false religion encourages alternate interpretations to the word of God. False religion teaches unbiblical practices. Number three, this is where we left off this morning. Number three, false religion results in death. It results in death. You know, hiding from what God's word has to say about how to go to heaven and the fact that there's only one way does not change the word of God. In his book, Discover the Power Within You, 
Eric Butterworth wrote, Jesus did not come to teach us how divine he was, but to teach that divinity was within us. Now, I have no idea where he got that, but he certainly did not get it from the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us that Jesus is deity. And you can read it over and over. Read the book of Colossians. The Bible tells us that in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so I wonder where this author got this. But one day on, uh, I, I hesitate to say this, But on the Oprah Winfrey show, she was touting this book because, as we know, she is the great theologian. And she said this in commenting about this very book, Discover the Power Within You. By the way, can I just pause for a second? When Paul looked for the power in him, he said, I find within me. That is within my flesh, no good thing. Here's a man who came face to face with deity. A man who came face to face with God on the road to Damascus. And he ended up face down on the ground because the power within him could not face the power from heaven. The power from God Almighty. But the great theologian Oprah Winfrey said concerning the book, Discover the Power Within You, she said this, For Jesus to claim to be God would have been pure egotism. Again, how does she know? I mean, does being a billionaire make you smarter than God himself? For Jesus to claim to be God would have been pure egotism. I think to go contrary to the word of God is pure egotism that's going to take you nowhere. She went on to say, um, there couldn't possibly be only one way to God. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God. Well, she's the great theologian. She ought to know. Except Jesus said in John 14, verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Can I say this? If Jesus is not God in the flesh, this is not a good book. But since he is God in the flesh, this is the book, the Holy Bible. This is like saying, you know, it doesn't matter what phone number you dial just so long as you're trying with all sincerity to call your friend or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, there are many diverse phone numbers you can dial, and you'll reach that individual. Now, for you kids, phone numbers were what we used to have to memorize if we wanted to call people. We used to have a phone. Uh, Actually, I can remember far enough back where there was this round thing on the phone We called it a rotary phone, and it had numbers in it, one through zero. (laughs) And we used to have to dial. If someone wanted to dial our phone number, it was 355-6956. 
That was the phone number back in those days. And so if you wanted to call our house, you had to know the phone number. If we wanted to call uh, other people, we wrote their phone numbers down. And I know now it's a, it's a contact list and you just push their name. But you do realize that uh, associated with their name is an actual phone number. And you can't just push any, per, any person that you want to. Uh, and because you're sincere, it's going to get you there. Same thing when it gets to heaven. There's one road to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. There's one door to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. Well, false religions result in death. And we can see this revealed, first of all, in the death of Jesus Christ. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Once Adam and Eve followed this false religion... And then invented some of their own ceremonies in this false religion. Here's the result. Genesis chapter 3 verse number 15. God says, I will put enmity between thee, meaning the serpent or Satan. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. It that is, the woman's seed shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That is a prophecy about Jesus Christ right there. There's only one individual that would ever be the seed of a woman. The rest of us are born from the seed of man. But only Jesus was able to be born of a virgin, a woman that had never had a relationship with a with man, and he's the only one that meets this qualification. As a matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4, the Bible says that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman. Jesus is the only one that meets this qualification. So getting back to Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. By the way, that's why women can't stand snakes. Actually, I don't like them either. And between thy seed and her seed, and it, meaning her seed, shall bruise thy head. That is a lethal blow that Jesus dealt to Satan on the cross. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Jesus' injury was temporary. He died, was buried, he rose again. By the way, do you know that when Satan is cast into the lake of fire, it's not going to be temporary. His death will be forever. And that's because Jesus died on the cross. But the result of this false religion is, it was death. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, 21. For hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not. But he committed, this is Jesus, committed himself to him, that is God the Father, that judgeth righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, which is the cross, significant, signifies his death, who his own self, 
in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. The death of Christ on the cross is a picture of the wages of sin caused by the sin of Adam and Eve and of course every single one of us. False religion results in death. It's signified by Jesus on the cross. But it's also illustrated in Genesis chapter 3. Look at all the death that, that took place, all the death that came about because Adam and Eve believed this subtle false teacher. First, God predicted the death of his son in Genesis 3.15. And then God illustrated this death In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 21. Remember they had made fig leaves for themselves? The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 21. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Where do you think God got these skins? If you look that word up. Because some might say, oh, these, this could be plants. <laughs> it wasn't. You look the word up in the Hebrew, it means animal skins. Which means this, animals had to die because of the sin of Adam and Eve. Now that may not seem like a big deal to us because animals die all the time. Matter of fact, we got some animal murderers right here in this church. They, they kill chickens, they kill pigs, they kill cows, but they do it for our sustenance. They do it so that that we can eat. However, Adam and Eve had never seen a death before. The animals were their friends. Why do you think, first of all, Eve wasn't scared of this serpent that was in the garden? Imagine the horrible experience of seeing these animals die for the very first time because of what you did. Now, if you have a pet, you know it's no fun to put your pet down. Maybe for some of you it is. But for most of us, it's not fun. They become part of the family. And that day comes, and we know it comes. We know it's going to come. We get a pet. We get it when it's a puppy, and then that pet grows up, and that pet grows on us. And, and those pets, if it's a dog, the average lifespan of a dog is about 10, 11 years. It's, it's not that long before you have to take that beloved pet, and you take it for its very last ride, and maybe you take it to the, uh, you take it to the vet. And even if you have it done... Um, done that way it, it it seems peaceful it seems painless but it's painful to you because it's a death now imagine if you will adam and eve had never seen death before and to their horror these animals had to die because of their sin and not only did they have to die but god tells them you've got to wear these you got to wear these these skins you got to wear these clothes because of what you did adam had named these animals he had been made responsible for these animals now animals had to die because of adam's sin and from that point on hundreds 
thousands, probably millions of animals had to be killed because they represented the sacrifice that God would make one day. What an awful way to realize the the fallacy of false religion. Now remember this, we talked about this this morning, this false religion had immediate results. First of all, the tree was beautiful. Second of all, the fruit was desirable. Third of all, the Bible tells us the fruit tasted very good. And then fourth, the fruit brought about the desired results. What was the result that they wanted? Man, we want to, we want to experience uh, fun. We want to experience good times. We want our eyes to be open. And the Bible tells us that she saw that the food, it was pleasant. She saw that it was to be desired and one to make one wise. And she took of the fruit thereof. She did eat. Obviously, it tasted good because then she gave it to her husband and says, man, you've got to try this. And then in verse number seven, the eyes of them both were opened. A lot of people have this idea. Well, if it brings about the desired results, then the ends justifies the means. Can I say this? The ends never justifies the means when it is unbiblical and when it causes us to compromise. And yet, here they are, not only compromising, but out and out going against God's word, but the, it brought about the desired results. But these were temporary results because the ultimate result was death. God said, my son, the seed of a woman, is going to have to die. He illustrated it with these animals. But even worse than that, Genesis chapter 4, the Bible tells us it was realized in the death of their children. What an awful way to realize the wages of sin. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The Bible says she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So we see Cain continuing now in this practice of false religion. And boy, Cain's is a great illustration of false religion. Cain and Abel both worshipped the same God. They both served the same God. However... One, one brought an acceptable offering, the other brought an unbiblical offering, an, undoc, in, uh, 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 an offering that was not doctrinal. The Lord had respect to Abel's. It represented the death of Jesus Christ. He had no respect for Cain's because there was no doctrinal benefit to it. And he rejected it. 
So the Bible tells us in verse number 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Here's another thing that I don't have in the characteristics of false religion, is that false religion demands your approval. Whether you practice it or not, false religion demands your approval. If you've ever sat down and talked to someone that is involved in a false religion, whether it's, an, whether it's a cult or a, what they like to call a sect of Christianity, the main thing that they want even if they cannot convince you. I was at the door one day with, uh, with a member of a, of a certain cult. And even though we couldn't agree, they so bad wanted for me to approve of their Jesus. The problem is their Jesus is not my Jesus. My Jesus is the Son of God. My Jesus is God in the flesh. My Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. My Jesus is deity. My Jesus is the one, the true, the only God. One God, three persons. Their Jesus is a creation. Their Jesus is not God in the flesh. He's a God. And I remember as they were leaving, the individual said to me, well, we can at least agree that Jesus is our Savior. And I said, I'm sorry, but we can't even agree on that because your Jesus is not my Savior. The Jesus of the, of the Bible is our Savior. But they, they so bad, they, they want approval by the way, this is where persecution comes from. For years, for centuries, a church was established by the state, and you either agree or go along with that, that religion, or you are burned at the stake for it. One of the things that that church did was ban the Bible... And anyone who was caught reading it, it was punishable by death. And why is that? Because as people would read the Bible, they'd realize that this state-run church was teaching a lot of things that were not found in the Word of God. Well, here is Abel. And we see, here is Cain. Abel's just doing the right thing. Cain talks to his brother Abel. And you know how the conversation went. Can you just agree with me? Abel says, I can't agree with you. Can you just say that, that, that what I've done is as, as good as what you've done? Well, you've worked just as hard, maybe harder, but God can't accept what you've done. How dare you? And then the persecution begins. And he kills him. But... False religion always results in death. And what an awful way to realize the wages of sin. Watching it destroy the lives of your own children. Remember the immediate results? 
the tree was beautiful the fruit was pleasant the fruit tasted good man the fruit gave me a wonderful experience my eyes were opened oh but was it worth it was it worth it the pleasure of sin for a season many parents in the bible watch their children suffer as a result of sin that they committed because they listened to the majority or maybe they listened to a false religion the parents in the wilderness i can't help but think about them when god led the children of israel out of egypt to mount to mount sinai they received the law then to kadesh barnea and there god said go in and inhabit the land and they sent the 12 spies into the land those 12 spies came back and 10 of those spies were false teachers they said this is what we need to do not go into the promised land two of them were true teachers of god uh aaron and or not aaron but joshua and caleb and they said hey god wants us to go in we have to go in but the people listened to the majority and as a result god said fine you're not going into the promised land you know the bible tells us there was a time when they realized their error but it was too late and so they had to watch as their children suffered in the in the wilderness for 40 years because they refused to obey god and instead followed what everyone else was doing their children on the other hand had to bury them as they all died in the wilderness because of their disobedience and because they simply uh, practiced the false religion taught by those 10 false teachers false religion encourages alternate interpretations false religion teaches unbiblical practices false religion results in death but number four false religion denies the absolutes of god false religion denies the absolutes of god first of all it denies the authority of the voice of god satan said just because god's word says it doesn't necessarily make it so i mean what does it mean to you yea hath god said is that what god really said is that what god really meant churches say the same thing to god today when they hold their denominational meetings and vote on whether to accept things one church recently voted on the deity of christ can you imagine voting on the deity of christ God's word teaches us that Jesus is deity, that he's God in the flesh. How can you vote on that? Churches have voted on homosexuality. Of course, we know what the Bible says about that. We know what Jesus says about it, that he created them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh fornication we know what the bible says about that marriage is honorable in all the bed undefiled everyone else god's going to judge the doctrine of sin how dare we vote on these things when god has already given us the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots 
and then denying the Savior. Everything Adam and Eve did following their sin was designed to save them. Well, maybe if we put on these aprons of fig leaves, that will save us. Well, maybe if we hide, that will save us. Maybe if we say it wasn't our fault. You know, after they tried the the aprons, didn't work. They tried hiding, can't hide from God. So then they tried the blame game. And what did Adam say? The woman that thou gavest to me. (laughs) She gave me the fruit and I did eat. And then God looked at the woman and she said, it was the serpent. She originated, the devil made me do it. Problem was, we're all responsible. They tried covering it. They tried hiding it. They tried the blame game. They flat out denied their sin, blaming their circumstances. But none of it worked. False religion denies the absolutes of God. That's why, well, it's up for interpretation. You know, nothing Adam and Eve did for themselves after they sinned removed their sin. Because God's done that. Because he's taken care of it. And because he has taken care of it, my ingratitude, we ought to serve him according to his word. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed. And with every eye closed.